it's protecting someone's lifelong achievement. People can work for 20 years, right, and build a business, and, and nowadays it can be taken from them. It's not fair. It pisses me off. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Awesoming's podcast, where we highlight people pursuing their definition of, you guessed it, awesome. So buckle up and get ready for some more success story adventures and failures from Kentucky's tech and entrepreneur community. Hey, y'all, welcome back to this episode of the Awesoming Podcast. I'm sitting down with maybe the second most uh, chatty Kathy, if I can give a, <laughs> if I can give him that title, Justin Perrin, not Perron, not Perrier, Justin Perrin of 13 Layers. And Justin is one of the most, I think I can call you eccentric entrepreneurs I'll I've take met. It. Okay, I'll cool. Take it. Eccentric entrepreneurs. I've been called much worse. <laughs> okay, well, I, I'm only here to compliment. Sometimes. And uh, he runs a, a very unique startup that is doing phenomenal work. We'll dive into that. But Justin has been to, I know, at least one summer treat. Mm-hmm. You've been to Five Across. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think I am your personal resident residential hype man or cheerleader whenever you walk into space. No one does it better. And you've also been the first person to bring a uh, a foreign, um, what did you bring, a foreign diplomatic group to Awesome Inc. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we'll, we'll talk about that. So you, <laughs> we've definitely had some firsts with you. And uh, again, you're also a part of the fellowship, which is, again, a huge success to the work you're doing. It's there's wonderful. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot Very of validity. Grateful. Well, good. We're glad to hear that. A lot of validity in the work you're doing. And Again, we're here today to talk about your story, what you're doing, and how you solve people's problems. So mm-hmm. uh, let's let's kick it off, Jay. What's what's the story of Justin Perrin? Who, who are you, and how do we get here to to this spot today? So obviously, you you went to college, you got some degrees, you did some stuff. You have a, a plethora of work experience. Can you just dive into maybe the thirty thousand foot overview mm-hmm. of all of that, and then we'll we'll talk about uh, how we how we ended up here talking about your company, Thirteen Layers. Sure. So I'm going to actually go back a little bit further briefly because it's important to understand, okay. uh, you know, giving credit where credit's due, right? My uncle was a longtime developer here at Lexmark locally in Lexington, Kentucky. Both he and his wife put in over 25 years of the company, and he was really my role model. Um, and so at the very young age of age seven, uh, I'm going to date myself now, uh, we were playing with 5.25 inch floppy disks and playing a little game called Pong. And I was hooked. So from that moment forward, I was pretty much into computers and that never stopped. So I have been in the tech sector uh, professionally since the age of 17 when I started my first company, um, but as a hobby since age seven. So, you know, things have changed quite a bit since then. Uh, Cybersecurity wasn't a real thing. Fast forward, you know, I started a a web design company. I learned web design uh, at high school. I was taking high school and college courses during high school. I was that kind of guy. You're a stud. That's, that's, no, a I'm just a that. nerd. Um, so that also plays sports. Well, we can talk about that later. Um, so long story short, I just, I just knew I loved technology. I'd like to create, I did the computer science thing. I just knew I wasn't, a, I loved understanding code, but I didn't want to be the guy who wrote a thousand lines. And I was like, I need to bring these people into my fold. So, um, started the geek squad before it was a thing, uh, did another cool, we created a laptop company, uh, sold laptops up against Gateway and Dell when I was 19. That was my second business. Um, you know, it's just been a wild ride and I've just been laser focused on really what I'm still doing today, which is how to protect or help people grow their businesses with technology. And so fast forward, um, my why and why I'm here today is my previous role is I was working with a, a really big uh, managed service provider. And what that means is it's an outsourced IT company. And uh, when I came along, it was pretty wild. They bought like 18 companies, you know, $300 million company. Um, and my 
now CTO, um, was my solutions engineer at that firm. And we built a really strong business right out of Lexington, Kentucky. And we were crushing, you know, California with 17 offices. And, and you know, and, and we were doing that because we took a problem-centric approach, right? So again, I've, what, what got me hooked on technology was the ability to help people by leveraging technology, right? So <clears throat> that's not changed for me. What's different now is all of the resources that I wish I had had, I now have, and I can help far more people in a much more impactful way. So we're doing that. We're building this great business and, you know, we're all over the country. I'm doing trainings for the salespeople and it's, it's just great, but cybersecurity, nobody saw what was coming. And when you're the guy out making promises to clients, but the, but the security isn't there, I knew that that was a house of cards for me. And we either had to make some changes or I had to go find some solutions myself. So um, one of the companies that was pitched to be purchased was my now partner's company. He turned them down um, and he would, uh, not sure how much I can divulge here, but there were things that he would share with me that I was not sure if they were real and everything turned out to be true. So I knew that the guy was who he said he was. Um, and we vetted that technology out for almost two years. In fact, it took my wife a secret email on LinkedIn uh, back to my now business partner who said, you know, he's too loyal. He won't leave. Um, you need to push him or he's going to stay. And so I found that out much later. Thank you, Jenny. Um, and so that was it. I, I walked away uh, with many good reasons. Great company, but just the, the mission wasn't aligned with what I was trying to accomplish. Um, we started 13 Layers a few years ago, and it has been an amazing ride since. We are helping a lot of people in an impactful way, which is what has always been my mission. It's been on my LinkedIn probably for the last, I don't think I've changed my headline like seven years because nothing's changed for me. It's just what I'm able to do now is on such a bigger scale, and it's very exciting. That's cool. Yeah, I almost I almost wish we were doing a a deep a deep sit down over you know maybe a glass of bourbon. Oh, you and need a fireplace. two weeks for my story. Exactly, because <laughs> e even in that introduction, I I gathered more in that than some of the, the times we've had on retreats together. <laughs> yeah. But that, we'll we'll do that another day. That sounds great. Even though you you pretty much did say that, I, I am aware of this. What was what was the one vital decision like you just shared that was that triggered it? Yeah, that triggered. Yeah. Hey, it's time. I'm I'm got to be on my own. So I was still at that company um, and went to a conference where it was just a bunch of IT other IT companies. So it was my competitors. Can I ask socially? Uh -huh. Was it a weird experience, or are there a lot of IT people that are like you? And no, okay, not really, <laughs> not really. Um, you know. IT has such a wonderful blend of people, but to find people that have both the technical aptitude, I, 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 keep, I, I say those that can speak geek and speak corporate, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same token, people that don't understand how deep my technology background is, they kind of make this assumption that, oh, he's the sales guy and I make jokes. I'm the dumbest one in my company because it's kind of true, but I'm surrounded by brilliant people, which was very purposeful, right? Um but when it comes down to holding my own on a deep foundational knowledge of technology, binary, computer science, like I have that in my wheelhouse. So if I need to talk that talk, I can, but I've again, brought in people much smarter than me that take all that over now. So um, the why moment was at that conference, we talked to, I brought a team of like five people down there with us and uh, we talked to 52 different owners of IT companies that are outsourced IT companies. And the outcomes were simple. They were either one, terrified, scared to death of cybersecurity, didn't know what to do. They could sell their business or they could do what's called build buyer partner, right? So they could sell their companies because they have no way to get into this business. It's too expensive. It's too complicated. They could build it too expensive, too, com 
uh, complicated. They could buy it too expensive, too complicated, or they could partner. And the partnerships have been just a mess since. So I knew it was time to make that jump. And that was also around 2016 when really cyber attacks started to take off. Those that were in the industry knew how bad it's been since the early 2000s, right? With digital connection comes someone trying to get to that connection. But the people only only the people at the top really saw it was truly coming. And I was fortunate to be aligned with someone who was truly at the top. So when he would tell me predictions on what the market was going to do, and they come true 100% of the time, um, I knew it was time to turn this into something that could really prevent business owners from losing their companies. And it's happened a lot. So that was it. That was the day. That yeah. was the day. That was the gas pedal down. I said, let's do this. Um, you know, this technology is too good to keep it quiet anymore. He was in stealth mode with that technology for almost five years. And I'm like, look at all these people we could help. If I could help even 10 of these 52 IT companies, they each have a thousand customers. Those a thousand customers have hundreds of employees, the potential social impact. and, And that's what I'm all about. It's not about money for me. Mission objectives produce money, right? I had this conversation earlier today with someone about sales. If you're looking at sales as a revenue driver, you're looking at sales wrong. If you're looking at sales of how it contributes to the mission, I was doing some mentorship this morning. I said, whenever I get to a place of being overwhelmed and we know we need sales, I need to refocus what a sale means. And what a sale is, is what I just outlined for you, right? It is another company that we're able to protect and stop from the world's worst cyber criminals who have made hundreds of millions of dollars from destroying their business, which then impacts what? The employees and their families. So the fall off effect. So when I think of a sale, I think of a the downward impact of what that can mean. And yeah. so that keeps me motivated and keeps the the culture and the vision alive. Because if you build a business based on valuation and money, I just don't see how there you could possibly be happy. It just doesn't, doesn't click to me. Right. Almost if I'm trying to convince you to come to Chipotle for lunch, I'm trying to tell you why. Yeah. But really selling is Someone has a need, a problem. I have a potential solution or fit to that. Yep. And I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna show you what I have to offer. And if you like it, great. If not, you know, peace. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. That, that that yeah, very well said. And yeah, this is, I'm already jacked. This could be a fun conversation. <laughs> well, let me ask this. This could be a very simple question. Sure. For as long as I've known you, I don't know if, if this is ha- ever come up. Why the name Thirteen Layers? Ah, great question. I don't actually get asked that that often. So actually, pretty simple. Um, The technology, like I said, had been proven. I didn't create the technology. My partner did. So that technology had been proven in the market, and it was based on a 12-layer methodology for building security architecture. The 13th layer was the business model that I built, which is bringing all the best of what the managed IT services brings to the table, creating an ecosystem of that, and then building that with the 12-layer methodology. So the 13th layer... And this is something I have to actually update on the website because I am getting questions on that. (laughs) What is the 13th layer? And I kind of like that they asked me because the 13th layer is all of us. Cool. Right. It's the ecosystem. It's the customers. It's the partners. It's the people coming together to do what other companies can't do because a lot of other companies just push a product and want to move on. We want customers for life. Right. And you can't do that without a powerful combination of people, process, and technology. Yeah. Notice how technology was number three. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's relationships that you value. That's, That's awesome, man. Well, I know, again, from our time together, playing volleyball or ultimate Frisbee yeah, or fun. being goofballs, you know, in, in a plethora of ways, 
you have shared some very specific numbers. I'm going to rattle some stuff off here. Sure. Just to brag on the work that you guys have done, which is amazing. Please correct me, but I'd, I'd love to love for this to be a bit more. Let me say something. And for you as the expert to explain what that means, sure. because there, there are plenty of people that listen to this podcast that are starting out as an entrepreneur. They yeah. might want to be an entrepreneur or they're part of our Kentucky entrepreneurial network and they might need some cybersecurity or they might have this problem that, Hey, my one client has this. I don't, don't know. worry. I left the acronyms outside. Exactly. Okay, so. cool. Great. So yeah. So just, just diving into a, a, some of the, the stats I found sure. is that you guys have found out that 450,000 new malware mm -hmm. are created daily. That yeah. is wild. That's at the minimum that's at this point. Minimum. So that okay. was pre- So that's weak sauce numbers. That's pre-AI, okay. right? And then the last, you know, 30 days, that's pre-chat GPT. Wow. Well, we'll have to do a second episode about that. Yeah. And, and if uh, if you're not connected with the middle tech guys, I need to get you around. Yeah, we've, yeah we need to do that. Because that, that'd be really fun. They'd have some good insight. You also found out that, uh, again, $2.9 million are lost to cybercrime. That might be also on the That's a low average. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that's the amortized average across all industries on a global level. So again, when you say lost to cyber, cybercrime, what, what does that loss word mean? Yeah. So a lot of people that this is a great topic because a lot of people think that the mis, that the true cost when a business gets ransomware, right? They think that the cost is the ransomware itself and the downtime of your business. And absolutely, those are real costs. But there are so many other things that people don't realize that tie into that, right? So there's the fixed cost, the hard cost, the cost you can touch and feel. So that's your... If you have a cyber attack, you have to notify customers. There's a cost associated to that. You have to get not one, not two, probably three different types of lawyers involved. There's clearly a cost associated with the lawyers. We know that. Yeah. You have to hire an incident response firm, right? You may or may not have had cybersecurity insurance. That's going to go up and you may not get claims. And we can, that's a whole other topic. Um, then you've got the downtime, which is very well known. People have been taught selling based on IT for that for years. So if I can stop your business for eight hours a day times a month is most what often happens. What's the economical impact? So people are very only thinking about, oh, the ransomware payment and my lack of productivity. No, 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 no. There's so much more to it. So now in addition to those, those uh, tangible costs, right, there's also the indirect intangible costs that you can measure over time, which is reputation damage, right? You may lose vendors. You may lose partners. You may lose the trust of customers, right? New customers may not come to you existing customers may leave you, right? Depending on the severity and the impact of the breach itself. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a huge uh, ransomware attack. Healthcare is hammered daily, globally, but number one target is USA still. Uh, there was a ransomware attack in uh, late 2019 on a company called Universal Health Systems. They had 250 hospitals that were all breached at the same time, okay? I think that was, so they're still measuring the fall-off costs of that. And the last I checked is the costs are up to $167 million for something that took less than 29 seconds to execute. Wow. Well, let, let's talk about that. Because you also say that, again, businesses, all sizes, they're mm -hmm. losing revenue, data, IP, all the stuff mm -hmm. to these cyber attacks that occur, like you just said, every 29 seconds. So from your perspective, can you give, you know, talk to me like I'm a fourth grader. Sure. Give me some insight. How does that happen? So it's actually really interesting how the whole ecosystem works, and it's pretty straightforward. I'll, and I'll use an analogy because it's helpful. Um, your home, okay? So if I want to break into your home, what do I need to do first? I need to do some reconnaissance, right? That's the first stage of any attack. So I'm going to do some reconnaissance. I'm going to understand what your security system looks like, right? I'm going to maybe drop some bugs in your house so I can hear you talking, hear who your friends are, hear who your bills are. I may 
take your mail, right? To understand who you're paying, what your bank is, right? I may plant something, uh, a USB stick in your house, so you'll plug it into your computer. So anyway, there are all kinds of ways to do recon before you break into someone's house so that you can be successful in the heist, right? So that's phase number one. Now with cybercrime, what they're doing is actually quite a bit more nuanced. Um, a lot of these groups made over $100 million last year and the year prior. That's a couple hundred million dollars in a couple of years, right? That gives you power. So when you think about what the recon phase is, that may be a group over in Russia, right? They'll take that information and they'll sell it to another group, okay? So that's the recon phase. Then there's the phase of getting access, okay? So once I have gotten the layout of your home, now I know how I can break in, okay? So they may have another group do that, and that's called an initial access broker. So those guys, once they get into the network and they get what's called persistent access, meaning they know that that door is unlocked forever, then they'll sell that to the actual ransomware operator group. Okay, now we get into the next phase of the attack, which is setting the stage for the attack, staging, if you will, right? So, um, and I'm trying not to be too technical with this. So what they'll do is they'll put in processes and different malware and backdoors to get ready to execute the attack. So in almost every single case, the attackers have been inside the network for over six months. Yeah, okay? and that's something you said. What is it? Two hundred and eighty days is the ransom is the average. Why? So I want to give you. I want you to think about this. Okay. If someone was in your attic for six months and had their own video feeds and their own microphones around their house, what could they learn about you? If I if I said on this podcast, I'd be SOL. Yeah, everything. Right. That's so scary. They would know all the things I outlined in the beginning. So. Um, six months with thousands of cybersecurity vendors and these criminals aren't being discovered, it's not good, right? Because here's what happens. Once the, once the attack is staged and ready, so think about all the big um, heists that were going in Chicago. Remember people were breaking into Apple stores? They didn't just make that decision that day. They planned it and the actual execution of taking down an Apple store, they said what? Took under 60 seconds. So once the once the attack is staged, the actual attack executes in under 30 seconds. Yeah, it's, it's all the preparation. Wow, that's wild. So if you are at that point, then there's really hardly Nothing. anybody in the market that can help you right now today. And that's where we come in and specialize. Well, man, I'm, I, I want to go to some like conference and interview you while you talk to thousands of people. Well, we're going we're gonna to be building one here in Lexington, sweet, so stay tuned it. for that. Okay. Well, let me, let me ask this before we move on. Obviously, you are well-versed. Half of what you said reminded me of the old, uh, what is that? Discovery TV. Uh, they had a show, um, To Catch a Thief, I think, ah. when they had a guy who was a professional burglar break, breaking people's houses. <laughs> I watched as a kid, and then I actually did some stuff, so I'll stop there. Yeah. But <laughs> what, what was your first experience of a cybersecurity attack? Were you either, you know, you were the unfortunate recipient of that, or you saw what happened firsthand? And again, let's keep it brief, because yeah, I know so you I'm, can— I'm fortunate, um, you know— I'm not going to knock on wood because I have a world-class team behind me, but, you know, I personally have not had any issues. So I'm great. also security conscious. I'm a tech nerd. However, um, I've had people very close to me compromised, uh, both at a personal level and a business level, um, family, friends, uh, colleagues. Uh, I'll give you one example because he gave me permission to talk about it. I'm not going to name the client, but this gentleman was a 25-year law enforcement professional, okay? He's had the gun to his head. He's seen, he's seen the worst of the worst, yeah. Okay. Um, they got ransomware attacked. Uh, we were brought in. Uh, we helped them get up and running, I think, within five days. Again, the average is one to two months. The FBI was blown away that we had done it that fast. In confidence, he pulled me aside and said, you know, 
that was the scariest experience of my life. And I said, what? No way. You know what? Like the things that you've been through? He said, yes, the things that I've been through, I had training and understanding on. This is, this is, I'm a business owner now, right? And I felt like I was going to lose everything. And, and it was, it was a pretty substantial loss. It was 13 months of data, right? But because they had access to us and because we took a charge immediately, um, we were able to get rid of those. We didn't pay any ransoms. Like, we just don't. That's our policy. If you're going to work with us, we're not paying a ransom because that's how you're funding the future theft of your peers and colleagues, right? Wow. So that, and, and I mean, I've got, we do incident response as a business. So unfortunately we do a lot of these. And if you want to do stories one day, we can do stories for days because uh, we be great. do them all day, every day, unfortunately. Okay. But that one was, you know, uh, and another example was just on a personal, because, you know, there's a lot of people on here that are, may not necessarily be building a business where they'll need cybersecurity. Although I would argue that if you have a business, you need it, period. Um, but there may be some just consumers out there, day-to-day -day people. And you need to know that um, the amount of scams out there will come to you on a personal level. So the things where that pops up and says, you know, this is Microsoft, you need to call us. Don't ever call a phone number. Right. Um, if you get an email from Amazon, if you like, you just have to be vigilant with everything because they're coming after consumers because they can do it at scale very easily. If I can send an email out to a million people that fools 10,000, that's great business. Right. So I had a, a colleague again um, here locally who called me. Usually if I get calls in the evening, I know what it is. Right. Uh, especially weekends and holidays. I'm almost positive. It's going to be some sort of cyber incident, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, he's like, you know, brilliant guy. Um, does international business, like just all, all around great guy. And he was so embarrassed. And I said, Hey man, you shouldn't feel bad about this. These guys are very good at what they do. They have scripts, they practice, they have women come in and cry. Like this is a well-funded, well-practiced. They've been doing this for years. The, the call-based scams have just been increased in sophistication. So, you know, it, they got him. But thankfully, again, he had access to us. So before they, you know, took everything from his bank accounts and all that, you know, he had called me on the phone. So I advised him on what steps to take. We took his laptop over the weekend, gave it back to him. He was good to go. Sweet. So, um, yeah, it's just, I, I don't like telling those stories because it's already scary enough. It's much better to stay on the positive track on how we can stop it from happening because you don't ever want to be in a situation where you're recovering from an attack, mm -hmm. right? you can do some really simple things to stop it from ever happening. Well, and again, something you talk about being on the positive track is that you guys, and I want you to explain some of these, these acronyms here. Sure. You'll take SP to the next level and you help create very accomplished businesses, multi-million dollar businesses by taking that MSSP and you're leveraging existing, existing clients and all that stuff. So like, talk about like, yeah. why these acronyms matter for the work that you guys are doing. Sure. So MSPs are managed service providers and those are traditionally your outsourced IT companies, your IT integrators, IT services, you know, all those groups of companies. MSSP is managed security service provider. So that's the companies, which there aren't a whole lot of, that are strictly focused on cybersecurity. So back to the why and why I got started and all of those IT companies that were terrified and didn't know what to do, that's not changed. <laughs> that's literally not changed almost at all. In fact, it's actually gotten worse because now they've tried a bunch of stuff that didn't work. So now they've spent money and it also wasn't effective. So that's not a comfortable place to be. But um, again, analogies I feel help a lot. So if you go and get a heart operation and you move to another state 
and you need to go get another operation done and a foot doctor comes to you and says, hey, I've been studying on how to be a heart doctor for the last six months to a year. I can probably knock it out. Are you going to move forward with that procedure? Not unless I'm very desperate. <laughs> right. A whole level of desperation, yeah. right? And why is that? Because they're totally different specialties, right? So you cannot become a cybersecurity expert overnight. You can't become a cybersecurity expert in three years. It takes years and years and years of in the trenches, deep experience of going toe to toe with the attacker to understand how to defend yourself from the attacker. So what we do is we empower a lot of these IT companies and give them all the tools, strategy, people, and process to help them get to that level. And if, if they want to learn how to do it, we can do that, or we can just be their security team. And by doing that, you know, again, going back to the why, they may have a thousand customers, right? And they may have tried this and that, and their clients still got hacked. Well, once that word gets out, they're going to start losing their business, right? Because the assumption is if I do business with you and I'm your IT company, your assumption is I'm taken care of. Well, that's not true because again, foot doctor and heart doctor, are you paying for heart doctor services? Yeah. So that, that is a big, big difference. Well, and again, you're, you're talking about serving, serving people and having a why to protect, which, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're a vigilante, let's just call you that. <laughs> so and one of the things I, I've noticed is that you have over 150,000 systems that have been protected without a single breach. Yes. And seven years, which means something incredible that you can talk about, but yeah, give, give again, give, give so, you know, fourth grader insight to most people. Why does that actually matter? Yeah. So, you know, that's important for a couple of different reasons. The, the, the systems themselves are either in the cloud or on network, right? And so uh, un unseen, by the way, you, you, you mentioned floppy disks and data Mm -hmm. In the early, early days. Now we don't see half the stuff. Right. Actually, more than half. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, it, and things are moving more and more to the cloud every day. So, you know, the, the big problem is, number one, a lot of the solutions in the market are reactive. So they're waiting for the attacker to attack to do something. And number two, there are so many different tools in the marketplace that some are good for cloud. Some are good for on-prem. Some are good for this layer in the network, but don't talk to this layer in the network. And some are good for this. And some are, and so the, the, the ability to create a 12 layer, right? Based on the 13 layers name methodology that's effective and fully integrated and without having to go to five, six, seven vendors, it's next, it's nearly impossible right now. It's different with us because this is our business model, right? It's fully integrated. We do it all. Um, so that's been, <laughs> yeah, that, that I don't like stroking the ego on that one because, you know, when you, when you say, we haven't had a data breach in seven years. You're kind of asking for it. Sure. Um, but it's it's important for people to know because we're not just pushing a product. Yeah, there, there's been and a the track record. The uh, caveat yeah. to that is if you do these things, right, and if you use people, process, and again, the third part, the last one I always list is technology. If you do those things, you will be breach-free. It's not you buy our shiny silver bullet, right? And, you're and everything's good. Like That's not reality. It never will be. Sure. Cyber criminals continue to innovate. They've made hundreds of millions of dollars. They're using the power of AI. They're using the power of quantum. Like You will always have to do more. But if you take the suggestions, if you do the work, there are no shortcuts in life. There are no shortcuts in IT. There are no shortcuts in cybersecurity. So if you're not willing to do the work as a potential client and partner, we may not work with you. We need people that are committed to either doing the work or letting us do it for them. But if they're going to be the kind of company, and I'm talking about just directly to customers, and I'm very upfront with customers about this. If you're the kind of company that will not let us empower you, 
or will not let us in to do what we need to do, we will, we will cancel that relationship because we can't do our job. And then we can't live up to our promise and our mission. And this is maybe a little bit of an ego thing, but then guess what? Then we get an incident, right? Then we get a data breach and our record's ruined. The record for us of the seven years is really just about showing that while all of these other vendors and all these other companies continue to get hacked with their products, we don't because it's not just about the technology. It's about the people, the process, and then the technology, right? It's just, it's just a different approach, you know? Yeah, that's great. Well, one of the things that I, I, I found reading on your website mm-hmm. and, and just some of, some of the, the industry in which you're part of that I wasn't a hundred percent sure about this word honeypots. Ah, yeah. yeah. So again, talk, yep. talk a lot about threats and, and networks and all this stuff. Again, if you're not in it, like you mentioned, not in the trenches, sometimes you just get lost in the sauce. Mm-hmm. Talk about what, why that's so important. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is one of our advantages. Uh, over the cyber criminals. So a honeypot is simply a fake network that's designed to attract a cyber criminal to attack it so we can learn about their attacks. That's all it is. So imagine setting up a fake business to yep. get robbed, right? Simple. So what we do is we take, and we've got these strategically positioned globally, and we take all of that data. So all of the attacks that those fake networks have received, and we push that to a cluster. And that cluster data is analyzed by a team. So we have three different teams, an ethical hacking team, uh, dev, I shouldn't, I don't, I'm not trying not to use industry terms, a software development team that does reverse engineering cool. in the security world. It's called DevSecOps. Um, but that means nothing to anybody. That's so sweet. it's like a sting operation. Yeah, I like it's it. the guys who look at the cyber criminals code and yeah. reverse engineer it so they can stop it. And then we have, um, the threat intelligence team and their job is just to look at all of the intelligence that comes in. And if there's anything new, then they take that out and hand it to the reverse engineering team. The reverse engineering team then unwinds what the cyber criminals have done. And then they give that data back to our ethical hacking teams. And then they go use that to test clients and partners and see if, you know, they can get broken into. And then that goes back to our threat intelligence platform, which then spreads throughout the globe directly into our independent um, uh, platforms across the country. Yeah, that's, that's so, real so cool. What's really cool about this is, if you have someone like you remember when you said you wanted to like break into someone's house and show you how to did it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of what I wanted to be when I grew up. Right. You want to be a burglar. Yeah. You're, you're the first. Turns out I can do that now. Right. So what we do, if you hire someone, cause certifications don't really have any bearing on the success of your job. I worked at Google for a stint so I could pull a Google on Google, right. Understand their business model used against them. Um, and you know, I, I came out of that certification day one of the job. I was like, this has nothing to do with what I do. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you have the certifications, that gives you the foundational knowledge. Then when you get deep in the trenches, that's when you get real experience. Right. So when you hire a firm that to do penetration testing or security assessments, and that's where you break in and show them how you did it. Right. Um, those guys could be working off of stuff that's two years old. Right. Cause they're working off what's in the book. Yep. Again, what do we say at the beginning? There's over half a million malware created every single day. Multiply a half million times 365 times two. You may be a bit behind. Whereas our guys are working on stuff that the United States hasn't seen yet because we're pulling it from our honeypot strategy yeah, position the, around the, the globe. The global, yep. So this is really interesting. Um, Lexington, Kentucky. Did you know it's a proof of concept market for restaurants? I have heard that before, but you're refreshing me as you say that. Dude, I had no, so I've lived all over the country, military brat. Part I left out, very appreciative of the military. Um, 
I came here to Lexington from the West Coast, and every chain I've ever seen was in this tiny city. I was like, what in the world is going on? Well, it turns out Lexington is a proof of concept market. So even if they know a restaurant's going to fail, Lexington has the right eight household income, demographics, size, to where they can say, okay, I can take this restaurant, move it to Austin. I know it'll, it'll be successful, right? So that's exactly what the cyber criminals are doing. So they have, they understand America will always be target number one, unless the global powers shift in the future, but we're target number one because we have the money, right? So to replicate activities in the United States, they go after English speaking, democratic, similar business um, type of culture, right? So think UK, Australia, South Africa, Singapore, Hong Kong, right? So they try these attacks. And then once they know they're good to go, then they take them to the US at scale. So by doing this, we can uh, understand the attacks before they hit US soil. So that's one of our few, um, that's one of our primary advantages. I almost feel silly even asking this how, of how you're different from your competitors, because this is what you've just talked about for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, but actually there's a pretty simple nuance to it. So while most of the products on the market are waiting for the attacker to get inside of the network and do something, right? Mm-hmm. So they, so, so the way that a, that traffic flows in a network is you've got your connection that comes in from the internet, your internet service provider, then that goes into some sort of a firewall. Okay. So think of that as your basic front door lock, right? And that, decides where the traffic's going to, that sends the traffic through, inspects it, but cyber criminals get through every firewall on the market. So that's helpful, but it won't stop a cyber criminal. Then that data flows to the switch, which determines where all the network connections go, right? So what's happening is cyber criminals are breaking through every firewall on the market, like it's a piece of cake, right? So then they get to the switch and that traffic gets distributed, right? So there's only a couple solutions that once that traffic comes in, like it's, it's in. So now it's a race against the clock to try and understand what that traffic's doing and then put some prevention in to stop it. You know, it can take 15 minutes to days to months. And what do we say in the beginning? An attack executes in under 30 seconds. It's not fast enough. Or you've got these great endpoint detection and response platforms, which are like antivirus. Remember Norton and all those? They're like that on, on steroids, right? So they're more sophisticated. They're wonderful. We, we, we leverage those products as well with our, with our customers and they're great platforms. But again, you're waiting for the actual machine to get attacked before you're doing anything. So our approach is a little bit different. If, 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 if someone has done recon to break into your house and they're ready to, and that attack is staged and ready to execute, you know, it's going to be 30 to 45 seconds. But if we have been studying that attacker for the last 12 years, we know what he drives. We know what he's wearing that day, right? We know the pathway he's going to take to get there. We know when he's going to arrive. And so we eliminate them on the doorstep okay, before they get into the network. And so that proactive, offensive approach, again, because we're, we're zapping them at the doorway, right? So before they get into the network and then that malicious traffic gets dispersed and all the other categories of, of cybersecurity products then activate, we're eliminating like 80% off the front end. So imagine if you, uh, what, is it 75 that goes up north south here? Yeah, so 75, I, I avoid it like the plague because it sucks. Imagine if you removed 80% of the traffic from I-75, how much better would your network perform? Would your, would your trip perform? So we are doing a very proactive approach and then all of those other layers kick in, that reactive technology kicks in. So um, it's effective. It's been working for nearly seven years now. And, um, you know, I, 
I don't see that advantage disappearing for us anytime soon. That's great. Well, one of, one of the things that we're wrapping up here, you've talked so sure. much about why people need to be weary mm-hmm. and, and, how, and how you, you being 13 layers, how you are stepping into the trenches and you're helping folks. What does the future look like in this industry, the, the cybersecurity industry? And as a fellow business owner, what should business owners, what should entrepreneurs be aware of? Yeah, so I think, um, number one, if you are being sold based on fear, you know, there's a certain amount of fear that you need to have so you can make a decision. But I would say at this juncture, most business owners, at least that aren't like really, really small companies are scared enough to not have to be scared to death for you to, for them to take you seriously. So number one, don't sell on fear, please sell based on solving a problem, right? And those problems could be different for one company, like one of the startup groups here, uh, their, their goals were to tighten up their security so they could bring on big customers, right? If I had sold him based on fear, he would have been like, what are you talking about? I'm not that big yet. I'm not, I don't have that much to protect. I'm doing security for a different goal. So, you know, doing sales based on what problems I can solve from the very first conversation is the key to success. Because if you just go at it from a, I'm going to scare you to death, they're already scared. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to ram a product down your throat. And then you probably won't hear me for a while. And you might end up getting breached anyway. So you probably won't renew with us anyway. That's not a sustainable business model. That's why a lot of these stock prices are tanking. And that's why people are having to innovate because it's just not a, it's not a sustainable model, right? You want customers for life. And that's the way that our approach is. And that's why we combine people, process, and technology. It's why Google bought Mandiant for $5.7 billion, right, last year. It's why Symantec bought FireEye for $1.7, I believe. They were buying the intelligence, right? They're buying the honeypots. They're buying the uh, experience in the trenches of going toe-to-toe with the hackers. So I don't want to say that and then scare people too much. I'm just going to leave a couple things on the table that you should start thinking about. Um, you know, in 2020, 2021, and 2022, many of these groups made hundreds of millions of dollars, okay? So I want you to think about what your company, and I'm addressing the business owners out there right now, Imagine what you could do with $100 million in one year in revenue. It could make you pretty powerful. Well, it's made them powerful, okay? So it's allowed them to buy a lot of resources. They're in the same data centers. They're using the same cloud services. They're buying all the same tools, right? But now we have some new things in the mix. We have AI, right? AI has rapidly accelerated in the last mm, two to three years. We have quantum entanglement on the horizon, right? Breaking encryption with quantum. So if you are still on the very back end of waking up to the fact that actually now I think this year officially cybersecurity will be ranked as the number one risk to businesses globally. On, on, uh, and I'm talking about a hundred percent consistency across the world. It is now the number one risk to business. So if you're just now realizing that today and you are still using a firewall and an antivirus, or maybe you just want, went out and bought one cybersecurity product, I encourage you to look at the strategy of how you're protecting your business versus what you're buying. Okay. Brands don't, brands don't block attackers, strategies, methodology, and experience is what blocks attackers, not the new shiny toy. Boom. Mic drop. That's great. That's great. Well, I feel like we could go on for the next hour and a half. Yeah. You don't want that. Yeah. Same thing. We'll we'll do last, (laughs) last two questions. We'll keep them brief so you can get back to helping folks. Why are you building a business here in Kentucky? I'm a Kentucky guy. Uh, I told you I was military brat, moved all the country. My whole family's from here. So uh, for me, it was, and I actually wanted to find a wife and it turns out Scotts, Arizona is not a great place to find a wife, highest divorce rate in the country. 
So it was a multitude of goals. One, I want to be closer to family, help my sisters out. And then number two, I want to find a wife. And I just know that the people in Kentucky have good hearts. And I knew that I could find people with good hearts because when you want to build a company, skills can be taught, especially with what we do. They don't, those people don't exist. There are 750,000 job openings in cybersecurity in the U.S. alone. So I'm not going to find them anywhere I go. So I'd rather find people with good hearts, good morals, that and train teach. them and yep. disciple them. And that's been a really successful recipe. When, and you say that as your, your wife's office is, you know, 18 feet from where we're currently Yeah, recording. well, she did that later, so. <laughs> well, and then again, and I encouraged it. So. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. We, we love having the both of you here. And then uh, last but not least, this, this almost got overlooked, but it's okay because this, this has been a, a wealth of knowledge. So thanks for your time. Sure. You're a part of the fellowship, a, a business accelerator, you know, incubator mm -hmm. program that's meant to help entrepreneurs like you across our state grow, have thriving, successful businesses, but also, like you said, almost throughout this entire time together, you're just trying to help somebody in need. And again, that's what we know entrepreneur, entrepreneurs feel needs. They serve people. So what are, what are maybe one or two goals that you're hoping to accomplish through the remainder of, of your time here in the fellowship? Yeah, I would say I've done a lot of them already. You know, anything is what you put in. You, you get into, you get out of life, what you put into it. Right. So this program has been, first off, I'll say it's been wonderful. The energy here, the people like you and the, and the community is wonderful. Um, the, the retreat that I went to was one of my, and we, my wife and I spend quite a bit of money on personal development. So we're like, we're going to 10X growth con for a week next month. You know what I mean? Like, um, that was one of the best events I'd been to the event yesterday with venture connectors was absolutely wonderful. Sometimes as entrepreneurs, we don't realize how much everyone else is dealing with, right? It is not sunshine and rainbows as an entrepreneur folks. Uh, if you are, if you think it's just the success it's most people have grinded for me, you know, what age 17 and I'm now 40, right? <laughs> That's a long time. And if you haven't failed, you'll never be successful. Yeah. So I would say, you know, with awesome Inc, uh, I've accomplished a lot of those goals already. I've made great contacts. I've met VCs. Um, the, the, the summer retreat was one of the best, uh, you know, personal develop events I went to, uh, the event yesterday, venture connectors was wonderful. Um, for me right now, with where we're at in the business, I'm looking to leverage the community now, finally. Um, so I just know that, you know, we have so many amazing customers and so many great verticals from, you know, NBA accounts to, you know, we protect military technology to the chemical stockpile of the U.S. weapons, um, that we can help a lot of people in the fellowship. And my why, again, going back to the beginning was to protect entrepreneurs. So I'm here, right? So I'm exactly where I want to be. and if I can use the remainder of my time to connect and help this community and give back to what is given back to me, that's really my only goal. And again, it's not a sale for me, right? It's protecting someone's lifelong achievement. People can work for 20 years, right? And build a business. And, and nowadays it can be taken from them. Yeah. It's not fair. Yeah. It pisses me off. That's why I'm here. Well, that's cool. And again, we'll, we'll wrap it right here. You know, looking at our fellowship, uh, companies have raised north of hundred, I think, 10 plus million dollars amazing. in the last seven, seven-ish years. So pretty much since, since 13 years has been around. Yeah. And we've also created 600 plus Kentucky jobs. And, and as you're talking, those are real people whose lives have been impacted by companies and entrepreneurs from our state. And with what you're you know, talking about in the cybersecurity industry, that could change in an instant. And so- Workforce development is needed for sure. Well, hey, Justin, this is great, man. I can't wait for the, uh, the saga of all your past stories to, to come to life. And again, if you're, if you're listening to this episode, thanks so much for your time. Justin, talk to the, the people listening, how they can 
reach you, learn more information, or even be a customer of yours? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to our website at 13layers. That's the number one, three, L-A-Y-E-R-S.com. Um, if you have a business that's $10 million or over, uh, that's kind of what the cyber attackers are looking for, $10 million in revenue. Um, and if you haven't been proactive with cybersecurity, just give us a call and we can walk you through some cheap and free stuff to start with to at least get you on that path to information security. Um, our main line is 502-317-6428. The emergency number is on there as well. If I hear from you on Friday night or on the weekends or on holidays, don't worry. I pick those calls up myself because they come to an emergency line and I start that process. That's great. Well, Justin, again, thanks for your time, man. If you're listening to this, head over to awesomeinc.org or our socials at awesomeincollects to find more great stories of entrepreneurs kicking butt like Justin and the 13 Layers team. So, hey, appreciate yes. it, man. This has been Thank awesome. Thank you so much. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Awesome Inc.'s podcast. And another quick thank you to Lee Rosevere and a few members from our community who provide the music that you hear in this show. Lastly, give us a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that jazz, or even better, come on down to our space. Come be a part of our community and get plugged in and let's start something awesome together. You guys rock. We'll see you next time.